welcome back to Soundcheck, a rock and roll and alternative podcast here at Central Michigan Life. I'm your co-host, Andrew Mullen. I'm Elio Stante. And uh, today we're actually going to take a bit of a deviation from our regular format. Normally we have a topic and then a classic album and then, you know, so on and so on. Uh, today we're actually doing a top 10 list today um, instead of that regular format. We don't have a classic album this week, so it's just going to be a little longer form of a, of a segment. We're going to do... Top 10 protest songs, top 10 political rock songs, whatever you want to call it. Just kind of songs that, you know, have political meanings. I think we both tried to, like, include classics and, um, I guess, I want, I guess not want to say lesser known, but less, I guess, thought of songs when, it, when, this, when this question gets brought up. Do you think that's generally what we tried to do? Yeah, that was pretty much it. And then we tr- also tried to pick songs that not only had relevance in the day that they were written, but... Probably more so now in today's political climate. Yeah, so um, like certainly like Fortune Sun, for example, will not be on this list. We know it's an out and about classic protest songs, probably considered one of, if not the greatest rock protest song ever. It's not like the most, the draft hasn't been stated since Vietnam, if, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, I don't think that one really holds a lot of relevance to today. So we, we try to stick with ones that, yeah, have some relevance today. By the way, if you haven't already guessed, we'll be talking about a personal political belief, so we'll probably be alienating what little audience we have after today, so uh, if you don't like it, um, tough shit. So our first, the f- number nine and number ten, um, we both kind of used our personal picks. The rest we kind of talked about, but we, we both agree that we should at least have one. You should have a slot where you can put something that we feel really needs to be on there. So number ten is my personal pick. Um, and that would be the song War Pimp Renaissance by the band Lard. Lard is the group that Jello Biafra uh, formed in, I want to say, the early 90s with many of the band members from the industrial metal band Ministry. It's essentially Jello Biafra meets Ministry, and it is freaking awesome. It's honestly my se- the second favorite thing I think Jello Biafra's done. Um, sorry, no, my favorite thing that Jello Biafra's done outside of the Dead Kennedys. So, someone who's, and you'll be unfiguring this out very shortly. I am very anti-war and I very critical of U.S. foreign policy, especially in the past 60 or so years. So this song, I think, hits right at home. Now, when we first met, uh, you had mentioned that you actually like Lard. Um, when was the first time you've heard this song? Or did you have any really connections with it beforehand? We did this list? Not really. I mean, I knew of Lard and I, I really liked the music, but I mean, I never... Never quite really paid too much attention to lyrics or, or anything like that. Like, I definitely knew of them, but not, like, paid a whole lot of attention to them. Yeah. Um, I, music, I think, definitely is correct. I love the the riff on the song, Kicks Ass. It's what, probably the best riff that that band ever did. Uh, 
and it's really solid, has this solid marching beat to it, which really fits with the themes of U.S. imperialism and the involve and um, the U.S. Um, military industrial complex. It's the big themes that the song hits on. Um, particularly, what's the, uh, the third verse in here? Yeah, who's going to buy our missiles? Who's going to buy our guns? Everyone on the whole damn planet will even throw in free land mines. You know, it's kind of just the whole commercialization of when the U.S. became a global superpower. That's when the it was it was already there beforehand, especially after World War II kind of kicked it off. But that's when the military industrial complex really kind of, you know, became almost like a monopoly if you were controlling the world's weapons. So I really this song and that's why the song I really like the song because it's this topic that's not discussed enough, I would argue. Um, particularly the, the, the line that, um, that, that really, that really struck me as something, holy crap, was, uh, beginning the second verse, general who's never been to war is like a rapist who's never been laid. I mean, talk about a damn lyric moment. So, uh, what were, what were your reactions when you were first looking at the lyrics for this one? So first looking at the lyrics, I was, I was pretty, uh, surprised just by the pure anger the Jelby offer had for the entire like U.S. foreign policy of this because there's a because it's just a giant critique of us selling mm-hmm. weapons all around the world and that after the Soviet Union was gone, what else did we really have to do? We had an arms race with them. We had mm-hmm. millions of guns left over and missiles and bombs. And so, what did we do? We just started selling them. Well, you, I mean, yeah. I mean, again, like I mentioned, that wasn't just a solely post-Cold War thing, you know. I mean, post-World War II, uh, London, uh, sorry, Dwight Eisenhower, when when he gave his farewell speech to the nation, he even, he was kind of the person who coined the term military-industrial complex because he warned, um, you know, people not to get hooked on military money, not, like, and he, yes, it provides a lot of jobs and makes us a lot of money, but what's this really going to do to us in the long run? It's only going to uh, perpetuate more war and it's only going to make us sell uh, weapons to not so desirable pe- desirable people, which we are seeing today with uh, the U.S. involvement with uh, Saudi Arabia, particularly with their genocide in Yemen. Something I am not going to go into because I tend to rant about this for quite a bit. But you know, uh, <laughs> uh, just you look it up on your own time. But no, I th- when you look at it, we s- to this day we still sell weapons to not so desirable people. Um, and Saudi Arabia is the big one. We can debate Israel quite a bit, you know, but um, it certainly, I think, holds a lot of relevance today because of it. Oh, absolutely. All right, uh, number nine. So then number nine was my pick, which is Gunman by Them Crooked Vultures. your standard uh it sounds like a queens of the stone age song but it's by them crooked vultures Mm -hmm. and so uh when them them crooked vultures they were another super group it was dave girl on jums uh john John, paul jones on bass and he's from led zeppelin and then 
Josh Hom on guitar and guitar. vocals. Yeah. Okay. So I'm make sure. Yep. So, so Gunman. I actually have to like still like figure out if this is from the point of if this is from the viewpoint of a person who is actually going to shoot people. Yeah, I wasn't too familiar with this song. And that's what I got from it. Yeah, or or if it's like a, a criticism or sort of almost like a character study of somebody who's a gunman. Because there are certain lines in here that they kinda they kind of lead me to say that it's it's a song not only about from the viewpoint of a gunman, but also the effects that shooters and mass shooters have on other people because there's a line that brother does not dream anymore sister sisters could not sleep so yeah, it's like the after yeah it's like the after effects uh they also say you're so clever you'll tear us apart then masquerade it is art not smart if you can help anyone help yourself so obviously some of these Gunmans have left like their manifestos behind, like the uh, mm-hmm. like incel shooters. I guess they've said they've left their manifestos about how current dating culture has led them this way and yeah. all that other stuff. So, so there's kind of the line in there that they're masquerading, they're shooting as mm-hmm. like an art almost. But then they also go on to say, if you can help anyone, help help yourself. You know. Get help if you're feeling that way. Yeah, and, and and jumping off the whole like I guess you know mental illness aspect of it, I there there's a really good line in here. Uh, this says violence is just an incomplete thought coming to a complete stop. Stop. You know, I think I think it just kind of shows like a lot of people. A lot some now granted, this cannot encompass all mass shootings. You know, some people do it for very clear reasons. You know, some people do have political motivations, religious motiva- motivations for doing what they do. You know, I guess a lot, sometimes people just do need help and it's trying to get that. And yeah, I think that really kind of shows that some people just don't, don't think things through clearly. So yeah, I think it's a really interesting song. So number eight. Yeah, so let's do number eight. This one was a song that I had heard from a while ago. While ago. It's called Waist Deep in the Big Muddy by Pete Seeger. It was back in 1942, I was a member of a good platoon. We were on maneuvers in Louisiana one night by the light of the moon. The captain told us to ford a river, that's how it all begun. We were knee-deep in the big muddy, the big fool says to push on. He was uh, he was famous in the 60s and 70s for his uh, folk acoustic music. And this song was written about an actual historical event where in 1942, um, a, in a training exercise, a sergeant had pushed his men to try and cross this river in Louisiana, but ended up nine people drowning. But then he took that story and made it into a critique on the Vietnam War at the time. And I think it's still really relevant today, just in the kind of the things that he was talking about, mm-hmm. how the common refrain is uh, we were knee deep in the big muddy, but the big fool said to push on where it's, we're constantly mired in all of these wars. Yeah. And every politician just says, Oh, we'll just keep pushing on. We'll just keep. Yeah. Going. You know, um, it's, it's funny. Cause 
during, during like the last line, it's like every time I read the paper, that old feeling comes on. We're waist deep in the big money, and the big fool says to push on. Like I'm just picturing Afghanistan constantly because it's been we've been in there what 17 years at this point. Um, eight. Yeah, 17 years. Um, and, you know, it's just that they're really, at this point, we can't say if they're, we can even see an end in sight because, well, they, we've heard that mantra before, but it's never turned out uh, to happen. Yeah, we're, we're, I don't even know if we're waist deep. We're probably completely engorged at this point in the in Afghanistan conflicts. And um, I know it was Lindsey Graham. I don't know what he was saying. I th- It was either about Iran or Syria or maybe he was even talking about Iraq. And he pretty much saying, okay, what... Once you're there, once you're in there, once you invade, what would you do? And he says, "Oh, you you you, you don't leave." Was his response. So I mean, so that also this song also reminded me of that. So yeah, I mean, it, perhaps it was about like an old story, but I think you can definitely um, pull it for today and just kind of the whole idea of it still really works. I was surprised this old '60s folk song. It's like, God damn, this is so prevalent to today so i was very happy you showed me this one so then we'll go to number seven. seven number seven is indians by anthrax I know I also floated Run to the Hills by Iron Maiden, but I I I really wanted to put one about Native Americans because Thanksgiving's just around the corner, and yeah, I mean I think when you the whole idea of like oh we we celebrated a big feast with you know Native Americans that generation or two down the line ended up slaughtering and taking their lands and whatnot. So that that whole that once I've actually did my history lessons in schools like that holiday never really sat well with me afterwards so that's why we wanted to have a song about them on the list and recently we chose it i think we both chose indians over rent to the hills simply because it had more of a political focus rent to the hills kind of has that but it's more of like an historical account um yeah um are you like a big fan of anthrax at all kind of not really there are some songs that i really like Mm -hmm. and then there's others that i can just kind of do without but i definitely wanted this song on the list because, like you said, Thanksgiving's coming up. But then also, because I feel like Native Americans just don't get enough attention. Because a lot of the times when someone's like, oh, we should help out Native Americans or we should do more for them, sort of the common response that you get from people might be, oh, but we give them free college and they <laughs> live on the reservations or, oh, we allow them to have casinos. But it's like yeah, the majority for of like centuries of imperialism, for sure. Yeah, but the... The majority of Native Americans don't aren't rich. They kind of live in these horrible, barren reservations where mm-hmm. alcoholism is rampant, and there's just horrible, horrible social inequities on these reservations. And I mean the the song pretty much says it in one of the verses. It says, "On reservations, a hopeless situation." Yeah, yeah, and obviously before then, um, 
pretty much right, bef um, right before that line. You have Forced Out, Brave and Mighty, Stolen Land. They can't fight it. Hold on to pride and tradition, even though, even though they know how much of their lives are really missing. So, yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, there's certainly about uh, situations on reservations. Um, you know, obviously, also touches on them losing their culture, and then there's obviously a bunch of fights. You know, I think we'd mentioned we were talking about this earlier, and I know I had mentioned the North Dakota Access Pipeline. Um, you know, obviously that was a big fight during. Uh, it, I think a lot of people have forgotten because at that point that was during 2016 and during that whole year's hoopla. So, I think that was that's been kind of forgotten at this point, unfortunately. But I know you had mentioned uh, voter suppression in that. But was it North or South Dakota? Uh, I can't remember. Wherever Senator Heidi Heitkamp was mm -hmm. was from, uh, one of the problems was that the government was trying to. It, it, it appeared as though it was voter suppression of Native Americans. Yeah. Because you know, I know it was shown, because I've actually been taking, currently taking a Native American like history class. And, you know, I know she had played a video about that to us. I couldn't remember the exact thing. I, knew, I think it's just a lot of people, they were kind of old. A lot of them had like outdated like IDs and whatnot. A lot of them didn't have like the correct, because their Native American IDs, I think, didn't have like a photo on them. So it wouldn't qualify as like a phoning thing. So they had to get certain things. They get driver's license renewed, you know, all that kind of stuff. So that's what I remember from it. Yeah, so it's just their their struggles still kind of go on to this day, you know, which is unfortunate because they're, they're I mean, let's face it, they were here first. Yeah. In the grand scheme of history. Anyways, number six, your so pick. This one is Thatcher F*** the Kids by Frank Turner. We're all wondering how we spent 10 long years teaching our kids not to care and that there's no such thing as society anyway and all the rich folks act surprised when all sense of community dies but you just close your eyes to the other side of all the things that she did now this one even though frank turner is a british singer and this song is about margaret thatcher the uh, former prime minister of great britain i feel as though this one holds a lot of relevance about today's mm -hmm. current culture and sort of the culture of some older people in our society that this song sort of tells the story of how in in Britain there there was there's this uh idea that the kids are terrible little monsters and they're just out there the leeches yeah they're they're just out there and they just cause trouble all the time and uh uh Frank Turner is saying well don't you see that a lot of these problems and the social inequities in Britain are because of the policies of Margaret Thatcher. And now if you translate it around the same, the same time as Margaret Thatcher in America as Ronald Reagan, where he was cutting social programs, government spending, and trying to eliminate some of the welfare programs. Mm -hmm. And then the people that grew up in the Reagan era, now they seem to be, many of them seem to be the people that say, oh, how come you kids just don't get a job? How come you guys oh. complain about college being too expensive? It's yeah, I mean, to act like they we have 
we today have the same opportunities that they that they do. I mean, certainly, I mean, if you pick the right profession, perhaps you do. Um, if you can get something good with Silicon Valley, soon everyone's going to be wanting trying to swap that division. And you know, it's like, how much longer are those jobs going to be available? But yeah, you know, it's like, okay, now that you guys have become rich and you guys have become all powerful, now you feel like you're not going to see our side of things. You're not going to see, you know, the side of working families. I think. A lot of those guys, through, through the combination of both, you know, just getting rich and um, not to say that's, that's always a bad thing, but, you know, just, just through that experience and just getting all these political donations from, you know, banks and, you know, financial, the financial sector and whatnot, I think they lose their sight of actually being able to see that side of things. And that's why I really like this song. Only it was a pretty funny, to be honest, because uh, it's, it's like, I, I, I like, I like how comedy folk music i really liked it when it's like really explicit I, I i tend to dig this stuff this is probably what uh mitch mcconnell and uh ted cruz and all those other bastards think probably mutter under their breath after c-span cameras take off them so no i really enjoyed this one yeah this was this was definitely one i wanted on the list because definitely had way too much relevance <laughs> Uh, next up number five now i almost put because so beforehand i think we i i the way I wanted us, we just come up with like a list of ideas and then we'll present them to each other. I almost put this one on the list, but I decided not to because I didn't think this would be... It has a lot of societal relevance. I don't know if it has too much uh, relevance, but you convinced me otherwise. And I'm very happy you did because I love this song. What is it? This is Transgender Dysphoria Blues by Against Me. I'm surprised you even know against me because you know um, they're they're kind they're more of the part of the folk punk scene. Do, do you know a lot of their stuff? Not really. This was just one of the songs that I had heard a while ago, and I was like, "This is this was awesome." So I, I assume you know the story behind the album. Like, I actually don't. Oh, really? So um, this was uh, the 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 album, which is the same name as the song, um, was released twenty four the very beginning of twenty fourteen, and uh, this was the first album after. Oh, what was? Oh, I don't know, Lauren. I know Lauren Jane Grace is, is her name now. I don't remember. Was it Tom Gable? I want to say. I think that's who she was before she did the you know sex change, which is what what happened. She did the sex change. And this was the first album she had made since then. Obviously, coming out to the band or whatever. So it was after all that, and then this album came out, and it was widely praised as a very strong record musically, and you know it was very anthemic and also um, pl- uh, lyrically as well. That that that's kind of the whole thing behind this. And when you look at the lyrics for this song, holy crap, you can tell. <laughs> that she just made that transition and she's really coming full force about it. And I think she does it in a very, at, at times, very blunt. This is not a song for for sort of, I guess, fan of hard people because they do say a couple words that might 
catch some people off guard. Yeah. So in the court chorus and i won't say it but you know yeah i mean it's it's blunt it's in your face and it's um brutally honest but at times poetic as well i think it really does encapsulate i would imagine people who are who've made that transition and you know a lot of the uh, the issues they feel you know i think both on a personal level and just kind of from the outside's perspectives and we can certainly see that in how politicians may treat especially in the south you know how politicians treat that group of people um what are your favorite lines from the song I think it's this, uh, uh, I think this is the chorus where it starts off, you want them to notice the ragged ends the of bridge. your song. Okay, the bridge. Yeah, that whole verse it, is great. Yeah, um, it, it's really, it's really right to the point, and it really kind of tells you how some some transgender people are, how they struggle with, with their yeah. transition and how people see them. The, the, the one I really like is the second verse, you know, you got no in your strut. You got no hips to shake, and you know it's obvious. But we can't choose how we're made. That that I think that's a really powerful, powerful set of lines right there. Um, and it, yeah, so I mean, this this is pro- I I want to say this is the most recent song we have on the list. In fact, looking at it, it is. So I mean, it's not that old, you know, but it's still very relevant, even though it was like four years ago. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's lost a lot of it. You know, I think they still struggle no, with this equal one, rights and whatnot. Yeah, this one is even more relevant now than it might have been yes i would tend to agree yeah well well, i mean donald trump he's trying to change like the the definition through the through the federal government yeah okay no you're right yeah i mean especially if we're talking specifically with transgender people i can definitely see this being i think think more relevant than it was four years ago yeah i think that's that's the whole point although Although I was playing, even though I was playing this, even though it's not, oh, it doesn't nest conflict completely, but I was uh, playing this when uh, the gay marriage was legalized under the Supreme Court. You know, it's just kind of one of my, I guess, victory songs. Like one of the few moments in recent memory where you can actually be at least pr- somewhat proud of your country. In a sense, I guess. It should have been much sooner, but we won't get into that. Uh, let's just move on to a song we both actually had on, on that list beforehand, and I'm very happy you had this one on here. Absol- what number are we on? I forgot. Number f- four. Number four. This is Cult of Personality by Living Color. Living Color. They are so underrated. Lyrically, musically, everything. They're just so good. This is easily the most well-known song. and Honestly, it probably is their best song. Sometimes the most popular one is popular for a reason because it is so amazing. It it really is. Like, the riff and easily some of the best soloing I've ever heard in any song. But we're not here to talk about the music, unfortunately. We're here to talk about the lyrics. And I think the lyrics have not aged a single bit since it was released in 88. No. So when I listen to this song, it's clearly talking about political leaders and their, and this cult of personality, this worship of them, you know, and they talk about Mussolini and Kennedy and Gandhi. But I think that now 
this idea of a cult of personality for current political figures, it, it hasn't aged a day. No. Because you can see it where Donald Trump, he'll do something or say something, and there are defenders that have no problem with it. They'll say, oh, well, that it's a good thing, even if it might be terrible. Yeah. But then you also have people that will defend tooth and nail Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. Even though, like, even like, you know, Democrats, you know, who think that, yeah, he was a really strong presence. Like, you look at his for, you look at the policies he actually pushed for and he got passed. He wasn't, so a lot of it was the Republican opposition, but a lot of it's just because Obama was really more of a centrist guy. He, he, he really didn't keep a lot of his promises. I mean, he increased NSA spying. He wasn't a, he didn't really fight against fracking and he just, in his foreign policy, better than Bush, but whoop de frickin' do, good job. I mean, it was still wasn't great. And then, yeah, Trump. Trump, too, for certainly. I mean, I mean, there are—he could say—I'm convinced there are people out there in this world that he can go out and start shooting his own supporters at a rally in the face with a shotgun. And at that point, they'll, they'll find some way to defend it. Like, the, the, I truly believe those that there are people— not many, but certainly people out there, and it, it 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 is ridiculous. And granted, some of that does come down to party, like not, not party lines. I guess just political ideology. Like I might view someone like Sanders as a, because here's the thing, the song here does not just talk about the bad side of a cult of personality because they mention Stalin and whatnot in here, but they also bring up uh, and Mussolini too. But they also bring up uh, um, Gandhi and uh, and Kennedy. Yeah, and uh, I mean, and Malcolm X was. They, they use a they, they use a speech from him to open up the song, so you know we can we can we can debate his methods, but you know I think overall we can probably agree that his you know his ideology was pretty sound. Someone like me might view Bernie Sanders as like the good side of this cult of personality. Um, obviously, I'm gonna look at someone like um, Trump as as a really ugly side of that. So yeah, this song it talks about political figures and their cult and the and the cult that forms around them and mm-hmm. now when i listen to it it's the critique on how much that has taken over yeah. in politics i mean and, and again that, that this is i mean i, I meant divisions probably are always there i mean even beyond party lines but you know I, I think you're really just talking about the division that we have in this country today you know i think that i mean to to an extent this song can kind of touch upon that because you said all those people have cults like around them now and it's just created further divide between everyone. Yeah, well, what was the, the second verse? You know, neon lights, Nobel Prize, when the leader speaks, that leader dies, you know, referring to you know, assassinations of guys like Robert F. Kennedy and, you know. JFK and yeah, Malcolm X, mm-hmm. Martin Luther King. And this is a really good line. You won't, you won't have to follow me, only you can set me free. Meaning it's the, a lot of, sometimes it can be a part of a very charismatic leader, but a lot of the times it is, people who tend to push the, you know these cults of personality up to a certain degree so I, I think I think the song is very poignant absolutely also the mark in me wants to also say this that uh, the song was used as CM Punk's theme in the WWE for many years <laughs> I had to bring it up <laughs> I had to bring it up somehow it was gonna come up I'm not gonna go into this as much and I assume you don't know but to put that into context the only other person they've used um, like licensed out a song for, do you know the only person they've done that for since? Ronda Rousey. That guy was huge back when that they used that song in there. Considering that 
that's in by proxy that puts him up with Ronda frickin' Rousey as far as like drawing power. That's crazy. I had no idea that uh that they they oh they only licensed one song. That's crazy. Well, the one song well, since well, then. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. Anyways, yeah. No, I had to bring that up because I'm I'm a huge dork. Anyways. <laughs> Okay, so we, now we're at number three. Number three. I brought this one up, and you were like all about it, which I was very happy for. Disposable Heroes by Metallica. song more so it sp it speaks to how we train soldiers to be killing machines and they go off to war and then when they come back they're just hollow and in war even though many of them died they're literally as the name says disposable and i feel as though this song it's so relevant today because we say, oh, we'll we'll never forget 9-11 and we'll always thank every member, every every service member for their for putting on the uniform and the going overseas. Homeless veterans we have on the streets these days. Yeah. And then what what do we do to try and stop wars? Nothing. No. There's nothing that's done. Here here's here's one of the big reasons why I love this song. Um, personally, like, first of all, Metallica had a lot of political tracks. A lot of people don't really think of them as a political band, but they had a lot of really good ones. Blackened, you know, comes up with one, certainly can. Um, uh, Justice for All, obviously, that the song. That whole album. Yeah, a lot of that album. Yeah, just certainly sends a lot of that album. But, um, no, I, why I like Disposable Heroes the best out of all those, um, especially when you're talking about the context, context of war. I mean, to me, I never like. There are some people who are further left to me on this and tend to view the soldiers as kind of like the monsters and the war criminals as well. I I don't. I can't because I know that they're not. First of all, I think it's probably because my dad served in the Air Force for about 19 years, so I do have kind of that perspective. Um, but at the same time, it's never even okay. Even if, okay, you can say that the U.S. government has done all these war crimes and have been very careless in their foreign policy, and I'll agree with you to the extent that the, that's what the government has done. That's what the higher up generals have done. I don't your average soldier, your average you know pilot, they're they're just following orders because they they've been unfortunately convinced by U.S. propaganda that that's the right thing to do, and I can't fault those people for that. And I think this song really tells it in that point where it's like, yeah, no, there's this, there's this guy, he's just an average dude, has a mother and a father and loves him, and he, 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 he just wants to get out of this nightmare scenario. And, um, yeah, 
he's being barked at by generals and you know the training that he's gone through that you no know, you need to keep pushing forward even though you're we're gonna you're gonna die and we just in the end don't care yeah that was pretty much it that's what's, that's exactly what i think of it uh what do you what's your favorite line from the song for me i like the pre-chorus that's my favorite part of the song which part is that uh soldier boy made a clay now oh, an man, empty shell 21 only son but he served as well Right to kill, not to care, do is what we say, finish here, bring in death, greeting death, he's yours to take away. That can be f- from like a politician standpoint. Because some of these, because like, here's what I've always thought. Um, verses um, are from the eyes of the soldier. The pre-chorus is from the eyes of a, of a politician and the chorus is from the eyes of a general. That's how I've always, in yeah. my head, that's, that's, that's probably not the official thing of it, but that's how I've well, always viewed it. Uh, is there another part of the song I really like? Looking back, I realized nothing I have done Ooh. left to die with only friend alone. I clench my gun. That, that's a that's a really disturbing line. Quite literally, literally, you could take it as somebody sitting in a foxhole or somewhere under fire, and they're sitting there thinking, "Oh, I'm gonna die with my only friend, which is my gun." Mm-hmm. But then it, it kind of makes me think that a bunch of these veterans, they come back and they have nothing and they can't get the help that they need and they're essentially left there to die and their only friend has ever been their gun when they were in service that's the only thing that they ever knew yeah you know which again is can be a metaphor for the idea of like they're they're trained and bred for violence yeah so i think that's a really i actually never thought of it that way so thank you for new new perspectives on the song you're welcome. Uh, Want to introduce number two? So let's go number two. This one is White Minority by Black Flag. you have some gripe with how people certain have interpreted people, certain this pe- song. Not everyone, and I don't know how much pre- prevalence today, but there are people who I'm, I'm, who I'm just going to call idiots, I'm sorry, that take this as a song that they are actually endorsing the idea of treating white people like they're the minority, like they're the victims. No, that is quite literally the opposite. Look up sar- satire in the dictionary, please. Or just sarcasm. Sarcasm, satire. Literally, Andrew, what is this song about? Yeah, you know, I, I think it uses the idea, uses satire um, to discuss, you know, oh, you know, white pride, white nationalism, white supremacy. Like, yeah, we, we should do this. But the way I look at the lyrics is it's like, okay, how are we going to get people on our very awful, shitty side? How about this? We should try to play the victim. We should try to put themselves. So, so this can also be taken from the eyes, you know, white people try to put themselves in the victim complex, you know. Uh, you know, the same kind of people who, like the Christians who think that there's a war on Christmas, you know, you know, uh, you know, those kind of people as well. You know, I think there's a lot of different things that, you know, okay, you are the majority. You do have most of the power factually in the country, in every state legislator. I don't think you people have anything to worry about. And I think that's kind of what the song was making fun of. See, I took it as uh, the 
when they wrote this, they were saying like, oh, in the future, whites are clearly going to be the minority with changing demographics in America. And there's just the first. Uh, and then and they're fearful of becoming the minority. Yeah, it's that first four yeah. lines. We're going to be a white minority. We won't listen to the majority. We're going to feel inferiority. We're going to be white minority. And I mean, that makes so much sense when you think about the the 2016 election there was some of that white fear of the changing demographics and some people felt that it, it was it's no longer a white person's america that those feelings and those sentiments and those ideas are yeah. like boiling over into more mainstream political talk i, I remember reading somewhere um remember what i want to, i want to say this by 2050 it's like there that would be the case when white people maybe maybe at, at some point i don't know if there's going to be a plurality at that point or if they were going to be a minority because a lot obviously i think a lot of changing attitudes towards you know you know mixed race couples and whatnot obviously that will drive that down but for i mean for more or less a good thing you know obviously people should love who they want to love regardless of you know bullshit people um but yeah, that that you know that makes sense. It's probably what it is about. It's just kind of like when I was when I was reading that, I kind of took it as like people who want to do make victim complexes, which is I which is what I really like about music because you can always take different, very similar interpretations from a song, and you know, and they're not always necessarily wrong. I mean, obviously, when someone wrote it, usually they had one idea in their head when they were writing it, and that's without. That's just a fact, but yeah. you can always take different interpretations for it. Absolutely. And I mean, just the way that we approach this song is totally different. Yeah. But no, we, you're probably right now. That's why they were writing it. I think I'm even look. I'm looking at the genius thing right now, and they have a quote for Gretchen saying pretty much what you just said. Oh, okay. So you're actually right. right and I'll cool. admit defeat. There you are. <laughs> hey, well, that's cool. Okay. So, um, before now, we get into number one, which isn't really number one, <laughs> we have to do some honorable mentions. Yes, there there are too many good ones to leave out. So I I put Fortunates on because it's an absolute classic, probably one of if not the best protest song ever made. Um, it's really good. So it's a really good one. And then Masters of War by Bob Dylan. Yes, another incredible song. But we just felt there was like, too many anti-war songs on the list already. Yeah. So we didn't so, want to we didn't want a whole lot of overlap. Uh I had Father Christmas by the Kinks. You you, you said you didn't know the the, the the lyrics to this one. Yeah, because I had heard it on the radio so many times around Christmas time, and I never pay attention to the lyrics for half of this stuff. And then when you had mentioned it, I was like, is it that that happy kinks song? And then when I was <laughs> then when we looked at the lyrics, I was like, wow. Yeah, you, you can, you can really take this by like classism and like just kind of like you know uh, essentially the you know people. I, it is it's kind of like a first world problem song. You know, I think what was the one of the lines in there? I think it was something like, um, you know, remember the kids who got nothing while you're sipping down your wine. You know, I think that's an interesting line to draw from there. But yeah, I think since Christmas is coming up, I I that tends to be one of the songs that I play quite a bit around this time of year because to block out all the awful awful Christmas music that's played around this time. I, well, you don't like Mariah Carey and uh, it's not. Just, Paul I don't McCartney. like Christmas music. Period. It's just it's all. It's just like the same fifty songs with a few very very covers, and that's all these stations ever play, and it just drives me insane. 
<laughs> you know, I'm, I'm with you. I don't like Christmas music either. I, 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 just, I did not mean to explode, but God, I just, I just thought it was funny to see you. And then the last that. honorable mention we have is Ohio by but, Cross Me Stills, Nash and Young. And that one is just like one of the all-time classic political songs. Yeah. But it was about a specific event that happened in 1971. Yeah, and there's not really been anything that I can... Similar to it. I mean, like, no, you can't take it to a lot of like, mistreatment of protesters, you know, Black Lives Matter, Democracy Springs, Walk on Wall Street. So there's certainly things. I don't know if there's... And there's certainly been violence towards them. I don't know if anyone's necessarily died in a, yeah. pro, in a protest. In those protests I'm, sure, I'm sure that there have been. Probably. We just can't think of any. Just Maybe the news media doesn't care. All right, number one, which isn't so, number one. So number one, we tried really hard to come up with number okay, one. Okay, so be- before we go into it, we mm-hmm. both knew that Rage Against Machine was going to have the number one spot for sure. Yes, but it was it was Im- kind of impossible to pick a number one song. Oh, yes. Because there are a lot of good Rage Against the Machine songs. You know, that- I think I said to you this earlier, and this has nothing to do with like lyrics. I mean, it has stuff to do with the lyrics, obviously, but just everything else. Objectively, Rage Against the Machine is one of the greatest bands ever. They've only they only oh. made three albums, but they're all fantastic. Musicianship well, I mean, is tight. It was a cover album. It was a cover, but, but nah. Well, uh, the cover album was pretty good. It was good, but mm, okay. So they're they're three or, totally original albums. Yeah, are solid. The musicianship is tight. The lyrics are amazing. The performance, I said musicianship. The performances are great. Uh, songwriting is top notch. Everything about this band is A plus. A plus stuff. Yeah, and they were also amazingly innovative for their time, like especially with Tom Morello and his guitars. So, yeah, and they were really like to me, like they're one of the only bands that really like combined uh, like rap and metal and rock effectively and not stupid. Not Linkin Park. <laughs> if you could see the face, I, I don't, the look I don't, that Andrew gave me, it, was, it, was, it caught like a day. To be, to be honest, I know I'm going to get shit for this. I don't even like the Beastie Boys. Like, I don't even like them. I like the Beastie Boys. And they're fine. But okay, so we're going off topic. Let's yeah, sorry. come back to our number so, one. Which is really a three-way tie. <laughs> yes, it's a three-way tie. So you give us our first song, Andrew. Uh, which one do you want to start with? Let's go Ashes in the Fall. Ashes in the Fall. This is off of their Battle of L.A. Battle or Los Angeles. Works. Either one works. Um, there really isn't a central theme around this, but I know a lot of people um, call this song kind of prophetic almost in a sense. That, like, you know, there's a lot of, like, I guess, um, like, predictions that Zach De La Rocha made and that came true. Like, a lot of people point to the line, but what was it? Um, you know, the, the line, like, the priest that you as you whispered holy whispered holy, you holy thing sorry yeah i forgot that that was the the lyric that you you yeah. really you, mean, uh, you know obviously in, you really the, find the enjoyable reason like, the reason why i like that line though because it's it can be metaphorical and literal i mean we understand why it can be literal i don't really think we want to go into that very nope. much but lyric i mean you don't take it metaphorically saying okay no he's like in your mind with you know hateful thoughts and you know 
bad things and whatnot, you know. And I don't think they're the, this band is really t- particularly fond of religion, so that's probably part of it. Do, do, you, do you want to read this part about the uh, school doors and the factories? Do you have that in front of you? Um, want to read that? You know, mine was uh, yeah. Go ahead, read it. Mine was actually a a different uh, yeah. Go ahead. A part it was the part right before it where he starts off saying, "Listen to the fascists sing, take hope here, war is elsewhere." Yeah, and just that whole line before where he gets to your line. Are you talking about the hook here or? Uh, no, this is one of the just the oh the, the verses. verses. So yeah, so are you so you're actually saying, "Listen to the fascists sing, take yeah. hope here." Yeah, yeah, yeah. That whole there's like this whole block where he it. It's like he's talking as if he's like a preacher or even a politician where he's saying, oh, you can take hope here in America or in this political ideology Mm -hmm. like other places. It's bad. And then he references this is God's land where it's this where this idea that America has been a Christian nation since its inception and. This mm-hmm. is the right way to live, and this is the right, this is the way America should be. Mm-hmm. That's the line that always gets me. Mm-hmm. And now with, um, in more so the Republican Party, this, this unmovable and unbreakable evangelical block of mm-hmm. voters, that some of the stuff they say, it, it kind of could come right out of this block from zach you oh, know absolutely. It, it makes so much sense can, can, can an extension of you know white mindsets of like us people who probably would take white minority unironically you know thinking like okay um yeah n- no we be are truly despite you know whether we're, we're god's children whether it be referring to them being white or christian or whatever did they yeah. feel that they can impose their dominance over everyone else for sure uh, but again, the, the line I really like is, ain't it funny how the factory doors close around the time that the school doors close, around the time that the doors of the jail cells open up to greet you? That's like the Reaper. That's, that's powerful. Like, I, I, think, I think that's talking about, like, you know, how, like, um, a system, you know, that we're funny, where people either have to choose to go to school or work in order to make money to survive. And, you know, people can't move up in the world because they're stuck in one um place you know so yeah and he delivers those lines with such fire when you listen to the actual song itself yeah i can see when i when i hear those i feel that he's talking about um the like inner cities and african americans how there's there's no jobs in in some of the inner cities you know like in parts of chicago and then it's the the bit about the school doors closing that's that those kids can't get an education mm-hmm. because they're scared or schools close right after classes are done. And then, and then the whole jail cell jail part cells, is an you extension know, of that. Yeah, it's that the, the kids in the inner, city, inner cities, they have no jobs. They don't go to school, and then they get into crime, and then they just end up in jail. That's, that's the, the thing that I've always taken from that song. All right. All right, uh, do you want to go with the next one? So then our other part of this three-way tie, <laughs> I I really pushed for Vietnam. Well, I actually was the one who introduced it, and then you really liked the idea of it, I oh, think. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. But no, but no, I know you were like, once you were listening, it was like, God, we got to put this on here. Yeah. 
Which yeah. I agree with, because I think this song it just is so perfect with today's media climate. Yes. Yeah, so, so originally, I know that the band had wrote this song about more so right wing radio. Yeah, I know and, uh, and Rush right- Limbaugh would probably have been the big name for that. Yep. Well, and then now I I take it as it's like a critique on the entire news media in America. There's the line while paranoia while the paranoia try to stuff the void, let's capture this a AM mayhem. Yeah, yeah. It's that the news media, it seems like whether it's your Fox News or MSNBC. A- MSNBC. And of course, CNN. Alex Jones is the big thing that comes up to me whenever I hear this song now. Yeah, it's all. it all seems like it's paranoia aimed at the other side. And this song is just about how media is now just paranoia and trying to make people scared. Uh, and I think what was the one, um, if you had the one line from the chorus, fear is your only God in the radio. That's so good. That's a really good line. Um, I... Th- and even though I mentioned it, I was actually kind of trying to push for bullet in the head towards the end of that because I think that a lot of like the whole prop people getting you know bullet is obviously a metaphor for propaganda and you know people refuse to think once it's in there once that's embedded in their heads and I think that one could have easily I think that's like a that one could have easily taken this spot for you now to be honest we could have put Rage Dance Machine's whole discography. In, in the top spot and would have worked. <laughs> we I wanted to. That's why we said it had to be a Rage Against the Machine song. You yeah. just didn't know which one. Just, yeah, that was, this was a tough call. All right, and the last one was the one you kind of pitched to me, and I kind of came around to it, and even though I love this song, the song's amazing, but, you know, I wasn't sure if, because I always think this one is more of the music behind it rather than the lyrics, even though the lyrics are really good. Um, do you want to introduce it? So this one is Testify in yeah. the 2000 presidential election where the they're talking about how Bush and Al Gore were pretty much saying the same things. I wonder just, if this sounds like a recent presidential election we have we had like let's say two years ago. <laughs> yeah, it was a it's they're saying they're they're really hitting at the point that no matter what, it's sort of the same thing in politics. Both sides might look different. Yeah, and there may be gridlock in certain areas, but a lot of times that they 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 do, do tend to agree on things, but those things usually tend to f- over regular people. It's the same thing. It's the the one beast with two heads. Yeah, for sure. I think it's really it's a really good way of putting it. But you know, you, but you look at it. It was like when you, even when you look at Hillary Clinton's. You know, if we're going to compare it to the 2016 election, you know, when you look at Hillary Clinton's voting records, I mean, she voted for Bush's you know border fr- border fence. You know, so she wasn't. I mean, better than Trump. I mean, let's face it. You know, Trump was. You know, had you know people kidnap children from their families at the borders. That's pretty fucked up. But you know. 
So she's certainly better of him in that sense, but you know, at the same time, it's not like she was good. Um, you, I mean, her foreign policy is pretty bad as well. Um, she voted for the Iraq War. Um, you know, Donald Trump used to say that he was against it, but you know, there's, as always with him, contradictory quotes from him about that. So there was lots, they were actually more similar than, you know, people would have wanted you to believe. You know, so that's, when you, because I had never seen the music video for this. I listened to the song tons of times before, but I'd never seen the music video. When you show, when they showed all those clips of Gore and Bush, it was like, that, that kind of really clicked with me. I was like, damn, that's, that's actually really good. I, 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 I just saw this one. The pipeline is gushing while we, while, well, here we lie in tombs. You know, you can, I think you can talk about, you know, obviously, you know, uh, pipelines, more literal aspect, you know, of a uh, keystone pipelines and whatnot. And yeah, and all those, terrible environmental hazards they call and cause into the waters around those areas as well. We also talk about like when I see see the line we, we lie in tombs, it's kind of like, okay, it's kind of like we're kind of dead because of climate change right now and no one's doing anything about it. So, you know, I think I think that's a really interesting nugget from there. Okay, so here's here's mine. You mentioned that Rage Rage Against the Machine is kind of prophetic, but then here's the line that is pretty crazy the the mr anchor assure me that baghdad is burning your voice yeah, is so soothing that one. yeah that one this song was written before we we went into iraq and it's it's another really pointed critique on news media where we want the people on tv to kind of assure us that stuff is okay that even though other places around the world it, it, it's horrible, we want them to sort of numb us to a bunch of this stuff. And that's that's another one that I, I think is just yeah. incredible. Again, we, we, we had a lot of songs that we were like, oh, this really needs to be on there, but we obviously couldn't fit there. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, essentially, what we're trying to say is if you're going to listen to any political band, it's Rage Against the Machine. And Honestly, do you think Rage Against Machine should come back now? Do you think the music would be as good as it was back then? I mean, in a I, sense, I can see that they could be the most needed band at this moment that isn't currently active. But, like, would the music be as good? I don't think so. I Are you talking about if they tried to write new music? Yeah. I, I, I'm sure that they would have a, a lot to say. Oh, for sure. No doubt about and it. And I don't know because... When, when Zach De La Roca, when he shows up as like a featured guest on, on some other bands, his lyrics are are incredible. They're still just as good as they were in Rage Against the Machine. Oh, and then, yeah, I, I don't doubt the lyrics will be bad. I think the lyrics will be top notch as ever. I just I mean, like I don't know if musically they'd be as good as they but, were. But that I mean, like Tom Morello, he's. Oh, we could still play. I so I I just think from all like the experiences they've had since then, would they be? have such a strong chemistry and such a strong um, songwriting prowess or consistent maybe as much as I should say. I don't know. You know, that that's a good point. I don't know. I, I think they would still be really good if they... At the very least, it'd be great to have them touring again. Yeah, that would be really nice. Uh, other than that, um, we're going <laughs> to... We've been recording for a very long time, so we're gonna, let's, we should try to do this run real quick. Uh, recommendations. What do you want to recommend this week? I I actually didn't really have anything new that that really uh, sparked my interest. I think if you're if we should do a recommendation, I I'd, I'd want to say just listen to 
to any of the songs that we put on this list. They're all you cheater. They're all really good. Or just listen to Rage Against the Machine's discography. It's it's all good stuff that that you should check. So out. Elio is a filthy cheater, and um, I would tell I, you I, I actually didn't can't have anything. Whatever. Anyways, I actually have something to recommend, and. Um, so it's so when I listened to the Frank Turner song, he kind of reminded me of another, I guess, po- like f- comedy, like explicit type folk artist um, that I know of. He's he's actually Michigan local from the late '90s. His name is Wally Pleasant. I don't know where he's from initially, but I know he went to MSU, and he's and you know he's I think he's done a few shows somewhat recently, but I don't know. If, I don't think he's like writing music anymore, as far as. My knowledge goes, but but now, is he old or is he just kind of? I don't like, know. How, like, how old is he? Well, that's what I mean. Like, is he is he retired now? Do you think or more or less probably? Okay, I would think right. so. But um, but no, no, I think live is. I think I released a lot of like records in like the late nineties. Um, the songs that I tend to recommend people and because because they're Michigan local. The one I really like is a one. One of the ones I really like is called "Ted." The day Ted Nugent killed all the animals. Yeah, you told me about it, this. Song. It's this really song is funny. funny. What, what, what's the line that I really like from there? It was like, um, I think like all like animal rights activists cried in their hankies. They hadn't heard anything so awful since the first record by the damn Yankees. <laughs> I love that that line. I I, I I cracked up when I first saw that. That I was, like that he's making fun of. Ted Nugent. Yeah. That makes me Although I think he actually played it on Ted Nugent's radio show once. That's that's amazing in and of itself that Ted didn't shoot him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, so there are a couple jokes that do fall flat in there, but the one that... Now, this one is a bit risky to recommend because there are probably some local Michigan people who who might hate me for saying that the song is good, but he has a song called Ode to Detroit, and pretty much it's describing how awful Detroit is as a city. He's from Michigan, so I feel like he he has the right to say these things. Um, and then probably because it was like more so. Yeah, like he wrote, I think that was released in the late nineties, even um, a few years ago. Yeah, I think what's 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 the line that I like? Every time I turn on the local news, I learn about kids killing each other for tennis shoes. That's that's Yikes. that's a, it, there is some dark humor in there, and it's like so. Uh, I think it was like. I can't, there's a line in there I really like. Again, I, I have to play it to have the lyrics in front of me, which I don't. But no, it's really funny. It's it's some of some of the stuff's kind of political, and um, yeah, we've re- I was just reminded of him by the Frank Turner song. So check out those songs. Some other stuff. I know Alternatine is another one of his. I guess I guess one of his big quote unquote songs. He didn't really get that big, but you know, if you if you know Wally Pleasant, you might know that song. Other than that, um, I don't think I got anything else. All right. A good day, week, month. Thanks for you listening. Time you measure in. Yes, that too. I appreciate it. Bye. All right.